0: a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the united states the clarity for your path forward starts now here is kpp chief executive officer financial advisor justin
1: klein good afternoon fellow investors and welcome back to invest talk this is our thursday september 29th 2022 edition and we are almost through the fourth quarter and only one more trading day left until we are in the home stretch. And my job here is to help you unpack the the data that you're seeing on your screens, the, the, the narratives that you're uh, probably reading and how to apply all this to your portfolio, your strategy, and make sure that you are swimming not against the stream, but with the stream, right? With the current. Okay. And that will ultimately make the odds of you succeeding much higher. And the way that we do that is by avoiding pit, helping you avoid pitfalls and getting you up to date to where the best opportunities likely are in the market. Now, the way that I do that is by going over different Talking points and uh, headlines that I think are important for you to understand, but also by answering your finance and investment questions. And I, you can do you can submit yours anytime at eight 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 ninety nine chart. You can leave your message twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, or you can call during our live stream program. Talk to me straight up, one on one. And we can address your question here. Either way, does not matter. Same number is 888 chart Now, I've got a packed podcast for you today. And my main focus point is in regards to home prices, falling home prices, and will it collapse the financial system like uh, a lot of people are prognosticating? Well, we're going to discuss that discuss the shifts that we're seeing and, and what larger impact that could have. Also, I wanna touch on what's happening in the UK. You're getting a bit of a relief rally, but what's what's really happening uh, over there and how is that impacting our markets? And then earnings revisions for the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, how are they looking? Positive, negative, I'll give you an update there. And then lastly, if we have time, I want to touch on market sentiment. That's always an interesting data point to consider when you're looking at least short to medium term in the market, because oftentimes most people they get off sides at the wrong time. So we're going to look at that as well. Now I have some voice bank input ready for you today. And on deck is a question about UGI as well as Atmos energy corporation. So I got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk and of course your live calls that's what's most important. 88899 chart is how you get through and ask your question today. Now let's take a look at the market. We had uh, the the S&P down about 2%. Let me. There we go. Sometimes you press a button and things disappear and you but I got it back. Okay. S&P down 78 points and we erased most of the gains from yesterday. Uh, but what was interesting is we closed well, well off the lows. And if you look at the two main markers, what I'm watching right now are the dollar. And the dollar had another weak day. So you had follow through on the dollar to the downside, which is good for the market. And with the market sold off. You also had follow through on the 10 year. Actually, you did not have follow through. That was up four basis points, but didn't recoup the, the losses from, from yesterday. On Tuesday, the 10 year closed at 3.96. We still remain well off that 3.7, call it 5% at the close today. So still about a 25 basis point slide from where we were uh, earlier uh, in the week. And if you look at the Fed Funds future data, what's interesting here is we are getting very close to that 50-50 odds of a 75 versus a 50 basis point hike in November. And this is probably the number one thing I'm watching. You can actually find this on the CME website, just the Google CME Watch tool. And it'll show you all the different Fed meetings going forward until December of next year. And what are the odds that the market is pricing in for different rate policy? And this is what I talk about when the market is pricing something in. These are futures, prices, and you can tell what the market is thinking. And last week it was a 71% chance of a 75 basis points hike. Now it's down to 53%. So you got a 53, 47, you call it a toss up basically at this point, which is a very different kind of stance than the market was looking at post-Fed meeting, basically saying, hey, this move in markets is, uh, is breaking, are breaking things like what's happening over in Japan, the Bank of Japan, what's happening in England with pension funds and the BOE and the pound, uh, et cetera. All of that is where the issues lie right now. Like I said yesterday, kick the debt all the way up to the sovereign level, at o- almost uh, across the developed world. That's the way governments have reacted over the past, call it 15 years post-financial crisis. And that's where really the risk lies. So that's that's what I'm watching is, will the Fed recognize that it's not the corporate bond market that's going to break, but it's the currency market, the sovereign debt market that is creating uh, bigger issues right now, bigger systemic issues? And... You know, they don't want to cut off their nose despite their face. They don't want to destroy the financial system. And that likely means a pivot here coming up. Now, let's pivot over to our first listener question right now at 888.99 Chart. Hi,
0: Steve or Justin. I was looking to see if you could give your comments on Visa. Um, it's come down quite a bit from its highs. Um, whether you think that it's something that would uh, fit in a portfolio at the right price. And if so, what that price would be. I'll listen on the podcast
1: and thanks as always. All right, looking at Visa and this is well off its highs, down about twenty four percent off its fifty two week high. But its its high back in July of last year was around two hundred and fifty dollars per share. Now we're at one eighty, so about seventy dollars off of that. Let's call it uh, almost thirty percent off its uh, high from middle of last year and this is all in the face of growing earnings and earnings are supposed to be up 25% this year, another 13% next year. What I see though happening is multiple contraction. That's any of the high multiple names are getting that. And you've seen that over the past year, plus as interest rates have gone up. And this is uh, when it really, really pipped. It was August of last year, kind of a double double top then. Uh, And so uh, what, what my biggest, worry about this name is the competition from the likes of venmo and apple pay and uh think of crypto i think longer term visa and mastercard are not going to be the dominant players in the payment space uh, you just look at that in in other countries you know here in the u.s we are most addicted to the credit card and the transaction network of Visa and MasterCard. And I just don't see that sustaining itself long-term. So I think the premium that it still trades at, despite the downturn, despite rising earnings, is not enough for me yet. So I'm I'm passing on Visa and MasterCard. I just don't love Uh, Those long-term headwinds. For years, it was all about the tailwinds of moving to a cashless society and almost everything being charged to Visa uh, or to your credit card. That's not really happening anymore. That that growth has slowed to a trickle, and I actually think it's trickling the other way. And so I'm passing on Visa. Now we're heading into a break and I welcome your finance and investment questions now. No question is too complex or too simple. You set the agenda during this hour and that's why we love your calls at 888-99-CHART.
2: do listener questions make invest talk better
0: which of these would you recommend
2: because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice i was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here when do
1: i know the right time to take profits should i be looking for an exit should i be holding here
2: and listeners instinctively realize that invest talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction
0: i think you have terrific show and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years
1: now and I've learned a lot.
2: Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want.
1: I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it.
2: Don't forget to call Investor. 888 99 Chart. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open. 888 99 Chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Chris
1: from Atlanta. I wanted to get your opinion on Gaming and Leisure Properties Incorporated, GLPI. I was looking to get into a real estate investment trust. This one kind of passed my screen. I wanted to see what you thought about this to fill in a position on for real estate in my portfolio. look forward to hearing your answer. Thanks for everything you do. This is gaming and leisure properties, and it's a REIT engaged in owning, acquiring, developing, and managing and leasing uh, gaming and related facilities. It has come down about 17% off its 52 week high, but the REIT sector has been hit because it's uh, an alternative to the bond space. And uh, you're, you're starting to see those names correct and, and get to a level of yield that is at least on par with what you're seeing in the corporate bond yield space and this is now yielding about six and a half percent kind of around uh that corporate bond uh, level and it looks like it probably has a little more downside but you know low 40s which is in now high 30s i think that was uh that's a good area to start picking it up because i think this uh is a quality uh read now it's it certainly is going to be a bit cyclical but its main lieutenant is Penn gaming, and they're one of the the better operators out there, especially when it comes to regional uh gaming networks and you know I kind of like this overall i think uh gaming leisure travel that's all for for, for leisure not for business but for for leisure uh continues to remain relatively strong. And this is the name I would pick up. I'd be probably patient though. I'd probably wait until the high 30s for me to get excited about this name. Now it's at 43, uh, but you're starting to get into the realm of where it uh, it makes sense. So I'm going to give GLPI a thumbs up, but I would be patient. Okay. Now, people take the time to leave an Invest Talk review on iTunes, I like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Doug in Missouri says, "I really appreciate your knowledge and insight." What are your thoughts on PDI? PDI. And this is, it uh, looks like a closed-end fund, PIMCO Dynamic Income. And it does have a very high yield, 13%. But remember, this is leveraged. All of these, anytime you're buying a, a closed-end bond fund that's paying high dividend yield or payout of 9 10 12%, this one 13%, know that you're going to get a lot of volatility either way. This isn't your typical exposure to the bond market. It's levered. And that's why this name has gone down so dramatically from the high of the pandemic around 33. Now it's at 19. So you've nearly been cut in half since the pandemic and you've only received maybe 30% of that in in yield. So you're still down 20%. And a lot of that has to do with the leverage that you're taking on. And the portfolios consisted of corporates 28%, government bonds 18%, securitized 27%, cash and equivalent 17%, and others nine. So it's fairly well diversified, but you're mainly investing in junkier credits, uh, it looks like. So overall, this is just a very high risk play. High risk. Anytime you're using leverage, anytime you're using non-super safe securities like corporate bonds, like securitized bonds, etc., you know, it's just not a name that I want to be invested in because of that leverage. I rather own individual bonds directly. Now this is the Invest Talk Thursday. The the market is interesting, and I've got your questions, and I'm ready at 88.99 chart.
2: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99 Chart.
1: So my main focus point today concerns the story behind this question. Could falling home prices collapse the financial system? And this is really pointing to an interview by I believe it was Bloomberg with John Paulson, who is a big hedge fund billionaire manager, and he shorted more than $25 billion of mortgage securities during the financial crisis and made a boatload of money on them. But he, there was a question, really, about the weakening housing market and how uh, does he see parallels to 2008. And he says uh, that, that he does see a lot of frothiness in the market. But he also says, quote, the banking system and housing market are much different today than in 06-07. The underlying quality of the mortgages today is far superior. You don't even have any subprime mortgages in the market. And the FICO scores are very, very high. The average is like 760 and the sub and the subprime, they were averaging 580 to 620 with no down end quote. So what he's basically saying is, first off, the quality of the credits are much, much higher. And so even if the underlying collateral goes down, the vast majority of those that are borrowing money that have a mortgage, they they're unlikely to default. They have a lot of equity, unlike before when they were putting zero down, they didn't have any equity, they did have skin in the game. So if they defaulted, no big deal. Uh, the vast majority have that. Uh, and then on top of that, there's not a lot of liar loans. There's more making sure people have the income that they say they do. And so you're really not going to get that wave of foreclosures due to Uh, people not being able to afford their home, especially now that they've refinanced at 3%. If anything, it's the opposite. They're going to be stuck there. They're going to not want to go buy another home at 7% mortgage. Okay. And then on the other side, he says another factor is that back then banks were very highly levered. Major banks had about 3% capital. That means that if the equity in the value of the bonds on their balance sheet, the assets in their balance sheet fall 3%. Their equity is wiped out very quickly. But today, it's very different. The average bank has 9% equity and the systematically important ones, the larger ones, they have 11 to 12% equity on their balance sheet. So you're talking about three to four times as much Equity as they did during the financial crisis. And so while housing is is large and important and you're likely to get a weak housing market for the next, let's call it three years, that's going to be a slow bleed and there's not a lot of forced sellers. And even if you call it nearly as bad as, as 08, which it's very unlikely to be, it's not going to create this bankrupt situation for banks it's not going to threaten them because of where regulation has gone they've raised a lot of capital they've retained a lot of capital you know the the fed didn't let them pay dividends for a long period of time only recently did they allow them to start paying a bit of dividends and and still some of them like wells fargo they said no you don't have enough equity So he says housing may be a little frothy, but housing prices may and housing prices may come down or plateau, but not to the extent that it happened in 08. And I I pretty much agree with that. And, you know, it, it talks about how difficult it is to short particular parts of the market. Uh, it talks about crypto and, and how Bitcoin looked frothy at 20,000 and went to 65. Now we're back down to 20. Uh, and so it's always hard timing wise. Uh, but. What you always have to worry about is any systemic uh, issues, and we don't see that anytime soon. Now let's go to James in New York. wants to talk about Philip Morris.
0: How are you doing tonight? Good, good. So uh, I have some money in uh, basically just in the bank earning no interest, and I thought I might select
2: a company that pays a uh, nice dividend that's reasonably safe and hopefully purchase it at a good value. Do you think Philip Morris might qualify at these levels?
1: I do. I do think it uh, qualifies. Now, it's been hit recently because of higher rates as well as a strong dollar. Remember, for Philip Morris, their entire business is international. This is Philip Morris International. So almost all of their their revenue comes in other currencies than the dollar. Now, they do hedge that uh, some, but not completely. So they're still going to be hurt a bit by the very strong dollar. And that's why you see earnings expected to fall eight percent this year. It's not because their business is declining much. They do have some issues with uh, Ukraine and, and Russia, but it's you know low, low to mid single digits part of their business. Uh, but a lot of the the decline in in the the profits has to do with foreign currency. So this recent pullback to me is is, is a buying opportunity because I do think the dollar isn't going to be able to stay this strong without breaking a lot of things and the Fed pivoting, et cetera, uh, and so. That's that's why I do think Philip Morris, one of the better names uh, to buy in this environment uh, with his opportunity now down in the mid-80s. Uh, our value is uh, north of oh, $100 per share. So I'm going to give Philip Morris a thumbs up. Thanks for the call. Now the next Invest Talk will get to the story of the ESG backlash lurking inside the executive ranks at top corporations. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your call at eight 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 ninety nine chart Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's H A C K E R O N E.com. HackerOne.com.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk every Friday on the program and the podcast. Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPB Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, Steve and Justin. I want to add some utilities into my portfolio, and I'm looking at two gas utilities. The first one is UGI, and the second one is ATO. Let me know if either of them are uh, worth adding to the portfolio. Thank you. All right, looking at UGI and ATO. Uh, UGI is out of Pennsylvania. It's holding company with interest in propane and butane distribution, as well as natural gas and electric, di- electric distribution services as well. And ATO, hold that up here. ATO, they're out of Texas. And they're engaged in the distribution of natural gas to 3 million customers in eight states, primarily in the South. You're talking about states like Colorado, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Virginia. But two-thirds of their business is in Texas. This is mainly a Texas-based utility. And if I'm looking at the profitability metrics, return equity on ATOs right around 9%, 10%. And whereas UGI, that is much higher, right around twenty five percent, but historically it's back around that ten percent as well. And it's a bit more, bit more volatile, I think, when it comes to its uh, its business because of that butane and and uh, propane uh, business, which is you know more up and down. So, earnings are expected to fall for UGI, 4% this year. ATO expected to go up 8% this year, and those uh, revisions are uh, are going higher. So, and I like the exposure to Texas. A lot of people are moving to Texas, tax-free states, uh, obviously very close to a lot of energy markets and relatively cheap energy compared to many other states. Pretty good weather. You know it's hot in the summer, definitely humid, but... Uh, the migration trends are pretty solid. So if I'm going one or the other, I'm gonna go with Atmos, I like the consistency of their business, I like their geographical reach, mainly uh focus in Texas, but does have uh, some other exposure as well in the South, which also people are moving to. So if I'm picking one or the other, ATO Atmos Energy is my pick. Now let's focus, uh, let's pivot over to what's happening In England, because it's being talked about a little bit, but let me unpack it for you. And what's happening is that, frankly, rates got too high. And this hurt pension funds who had a lot of long dated securities, and they were getting some pretty big losses on those securities. So what basically the Bank of England did was they instituted yield curve control. Now, they're not calling it yield curve control. But they are trying to quell. All right, They announced it to, it's suspending its program to sell bonds, which is basically QT, what we're doing, QT. And they're going to buy long-dated bonds. And that was a big relief for the market where three-year gilts, they call them gilts, ours treasury, bonds, for over there, they're gilts. And it touched a 20-year high. To, at five percent the three year guild, and after this announcement it fell all the way to three point nine four percent so big reprieve there and this started on Wednesday and they planned to reduce its balance sheet by uh they had planned to sell its balance sheet or to reduce its balance sheet by selling guilts, but they've suspended that till the end of the uh end of next month and I actually think they'll probably never get to it. I don't think they're going to sell. I think this is a pivot. So this is a pivot by the BOE. You saw the Bank of Japan pivot before, the, the the week before. And the big question is, when will the Fed pivot? And so, you know, when you get markets and investors addicted to low rates, when you take them off those drugs, you have some, you have a conniption fit right? Things break. Problems arise. And ultimately, when push comes to shove, governments have shown that they are ready to quell volatility. They don't want that backlash. Now, what's interesting is that the pound actually gained 1.4% on Wednesday, but that's probably short-lived because... Usually to do these yield curve control measures, they need to create money. We're in the world of fiat. And that's what they're using to typically buy uh, these bonds to make sure that they don't go to levels that break the system. And they were breaking the UK pension system. And so I wanted to give you an update there because it's uh, vitally important to understand the trends that are, are happening around the globe and how that will uh, feed into our markets and our policy. And remember, you have London is a huge financial center. And even though England isn't the same, doesn't have the same heft and importance as it did, say, hundred years ago. It's still you know a top ten economy in the world, and certainly uh, is is vital to the global financial system and that's why they stepped in because they don't want things breaking over there now let's try to fit in another invest talk review question forestry guy 1970 says i would like to get your analysis and a good entry point for a three percent position in vf corp this company would be added to my dividend growth and income portfolio for five plus year time horizon now vf corp is now down 70 percent from its height at a hundred dollars per share in December of 19, so pre-pandemic, never got back to those levels, but they get up into around the 90 level in early 2021. Now we're at $30 and change at the close today, current yielding 6.5%, but they downgraded their expectation for earnings for the balance of the year. And the big question is, yeah, where is that ultimate bottom? Now, this is this is a a day with such high volume that you could say it was capitulation right you had actually the last two days really were very very high volume not quite as high as what we saw back on july 27th when it had a big down day but you're starting to get to that point where it's just being dumped now VF Corp historically is a very very strong business strong performer they have. They own vans. They own Timberland. They own North Face, Supreme, Dickies. These are very consistent apparel brands, and in a lot of ways, dominate their their niche. Think like of North Face. I know North Face has a, a strong following, and they do very very well. So I like that you're looking at this because long term, their return on equity, return on invested capital has been consistently high but in this you know economic backdrop they certainly are struggling. Uh so you know I don't mind picking it up here long term I think it's a pretty good value. Now you're also trying to catch falling knife. So could it go uh much lower? Absolutely. You go to a monthly chart, the next major major support is right around it's called 2250. So you know that's still another 25% lower from where it is today. And does it ultimately get there? Not sure, possibly. But I understand that that is really the the next major support level. Uh, But I like what you're looking at because uh, if you look at its go return on equity, right now it's at 29%. certainly gonna fall, but it's been consistent over the last decade, right in the low 20s for return on equity. That's a business I would love to own. So this is on my radar for potential buy, Uh, was waiting for really that turn. And unfortunately the economic backdrop makes it difficult for to see that turn in the very, very short term. That's why I think potentially could just grind lower for a period of time uh, until you get that ultimate capitulation. But I definitely think you're close down 70%. Earnings next year is going to be $3.37. That's a nine PE. That's hard for me to ignore. Uh, Now, if this was a bad business, that a business that, uh, you know, wasn't that consistent, I'd probably not be a big fan of it. But right now, enterprise value to even a 10, historically, yeah, when it gets, it doesn't usually trade that low, usually 12, 13. So we're definitely in the ballpark. uh, And I think you'll do well long-term at these prices. Just know that it could go down a little bit more. Here comes another listener question that came in earlier to our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART.
0: Hi there, Justin and Steve. Hey, I just want to ask a question about like dollar cost averaging. So I got like 20 different stocks and I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, buy several different stocks with just a limited amount of like regular input. So I'm putting like $75 in every two weeks and uh, I'm just not sure how to equally divide that. Should I put in like $10 in each one or just buy one share and, and wait two weeks and then buy another share or something else? So yeah, I just wanted to see what you thought about that. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: Well, most brokers now, you can buy fractions of a share. So you just put the dollar amount you want to buy for each one and you'll calculate the, the fraction of a share. So that might be one way uh, to do it. Uh, another would be to you know, what is down the most if you have a lot of conviction in, in the various names, you know, what looks uh, the cheapest relative to others. You can look at it that way um, to try to keep balancing it. But probably the simplest way, once again, is, is buying those fractional uh, shares and getting in consistently to each one. That's really what dollar cost averaging is, is not trying to pick which one, but being consistent. Each time, and that's really the best way to do it. Uh is, is is with that consistency. And when you have a small dollar amount, those fractional shares is probably the only way to go. Thanks for the call. 88899 chart, 88992-4278. So I get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's touch a bit on earnings revisions. And guess what? We're only like I said at the top of the show, we only have one more trading day in the quarter, which means Next up, we have earnings season and analysts, they throughout the quarter, they typically update their earnings estimates for the current quarter, call them earnings revisions. And they're almost always downward on average in aggregate. Why? Because I've said this before, the further out an analyst will look, the typically more optimistic they are about that particular, those particular earnings uh, estimates. But so far this quarter, about a third of S&P 500 industry group, groups have had positive earnings revisions, so the groups as a whole, meaning that more analysts have raised estimates than cut them for those particular industry groups. Now, it's not amazing, but it's better than what has played out in previous recessions when typically zero, kind of zero industry groups have had positive earnings revisions. So while it might seem dire out there, and the economy is certainly weakening, what you're seeing from analysts that are talking to the executives on a consistent basis, that are doing channel checks, that are assessing the whole of the industry in each particular name within the industry, they're, they're still seeing three of the 11 are getting some upgrades. So. it's hard to see a market breakdown in that type of environment now anything's possible especially with the speed of where interest rates have gone Uh, but i wanted to highlight that because it's vital to get an update of what to expect for earnings season coming up because that's really what the market's going to eye next is what that uh that those earnings are going to be coming in and then uh, adjusting uh, their estimates uh, on price targets, upgrades, downgrades, etc. cetera. You already seen that recently. And I think uh, it's a it's note, okay? Now to keep in mind that the summer has, while the summer has ended, market volatility has not. You've seen that. And that means you need to pay attention, update your strategies. So it's worth taking a minute to making aware of the free portfolio review assessments that we do for our listeners. And clients via telephone or go to meeting, and this is where we unpack your current portfolio, your positions, put a risk number on it. You know what type of risk are you taking versus what type of risk should you take based on your risk tolerance level, and how do they line up? Should you be taking more risk, less risk? Should you be investing more in large cap growth or large cap value? Usually, what it is, large cap, mid cap value. Uh, should you be more in corporate bonds versus treasuries? Things like that. So it's a full breakdown of where your portfolio is now and as a, a, a recommendation of where you should be headed. And we do this all at our company, KAPP Financial, where we practice unbiased guidance, both on and off air. And we practice parallel investing, which means you invest right, right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to reach out to me via investtalk.com or our kpp financial office in irvine california 800-557-5461 steve and i would love to speak you speak with you just for a short period of time and help you get your portfolio optimized now the phone lines are open and i'm ready for your calls and we're heading into our final break so whenever you're ready pick up the phone give us a call 888-99-CHART this is the best talk
2: Question for Steve or Justin?
0: Hey guys, this is Joe from Lake Jackson, Texas, south of Houston. And I've got a question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term. What's your question? Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
2: Listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888
0: 99 Chart. Hello, I would like to get your opinion on
1: Goodyear tires. The ticker symbol is GT even with the transition to electric vehicles they would all be using tires so i would like to get your opinion on valuation and what a good entry price would be thank you it's correct that no matter what you're driving it's probably going to need some rubber tires and gt goodyear tire and rubber is certainly one of the leaders within the space earnings expect to be down three percent this year but back up 28 percent next year but those estimates are coming down markedly, and what I'm actually watching is the free cash flow level. And it, they were crushing it during the pandemic, uh, about $1.2 billion in free cash flow in the second quarter. Uh, as of the second quarter of 2021, now it's negative $507 million. So a very volatile business. And the you know that that cash flow level just continues to ebb, and if you look at cash from operations, that peaked at about one point eight six billion. Now we're at six hundred million. So a lot of people had money to buy new tires for their cars, buy new cars, and that has certainly slowed uh, pretty dramatically. And to a level, frankly, I don't feel comfortable with, and I don't love the technicals. So I'm going to give this overall. I'm going to pass on it. I just don't like uh, the the business trends and I don't think of it in context to uh, electric vehicles, it's really about how many many miles are driven Uh, and actually if you think about it, because people are going to work from home more, maybe that's why, right? I don't need to invest in great tires, I'm not commuting nearly as much, not driving nearly as much, Uh, so that's why I'm going to give GT a no. I'm going to pass on it. I don't like those secular trends. Now, lastly, let's touch a bit on sentiment. And a new reading was released today from the American Association of Individual Investors. And and, and bearish sentiment, which is represented by an expectation that stocks will fall over the next six months, hit 60.8% in the latest reading. And that's a tad lower not by much uh, from the previous mark which is 60.9 so tad more optimistic but not really and it marks the first consecutive reading above 60 in the survey's history going back to 1987. So individual investors are very very pessimistic and if you look at another sentiment indicator which is the Investor's Intelligence Bull Bear Ratio, that signifies extreme pessimism when it's below one. Well, it's currently at 0.74, okay? And the last time that's lowest level since the financial crisis was in June. And that was right before the rally in stocks. Now, these are often short-term, month, two months, three months, call it a quarter or two, that it typically has good predictive reliability. Beyond that, you know, market can always roll over once sentiment gets offside the other way. And that's typically that ebb and flow of sentiment that uh, markets always have. But then there's the broad longer-term trends. So don't use this as an indicator to buy and hold for two, three years just because sentiment is bad, but it can be a reliable indicator for buying and holding for two, three months. And last time we got a bounce from mid-June into mid-August. It was basically a two-month rally. And a lot of that was sentiment-driven. And then you get volatility control funds and you get uh, different types of Algorithmic trading funds that follow up on that tr- that trade, and you get the, you get that move higher. But ultimately, it's about the trends of liquidity, the trends of uh, earnings and economic backdrop. All that is going to say whether those counter trend rallies are sticky or they'll be faded, like the last one. Now I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now, exceeding forty-five point six million, thanks to you. You can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave a question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This Invest Talk. Good night.